I will make mistakes because it won't work for you. And I'm asking you to be graceful in that. I'll figure it out. We'll figure it out together. And no matter what, I love you. Like, I'm going to keep showing up. Hey, y'all. So in addition to being a clinician that specializes in gender, I also know a thing or two about early childhood development. Earlier in my career, I worked with parents for all kinds of reasons. Parents were, and still are, my jam. I'm trained in eight different parenting curricula, which means I know way too much about parenting to be a parent. I've taken all of that information over the years and supported parents through all kinds of behavior issues, traumas, gender transitions, life transitions, and I can tell you that the common thread through every one of those curricula is the power of showing up. You're listening to Camp Wildheart, your guide for raising a transgender child and nurturing an affirming family. I'm your host, Mackenzie Dunham. Showing up. Seems simple enough, right? To be clear, I'm talking about more than just your physical presence in a room. Showing up for your child is about the quality of your presence. I'm talking about connection versus attention. And I'm talking about putting your phone down while your child is playing on the playground and delighting in the small moments throughout your day with them. I'm talking about taking advantage of every second of the three minutes your child is willing to engage with you in conversation. I'm talking about observing and figuring out that those conversations go better when your child initiates them, usually when they're in the car for some reason. Child psychiatrist Daniel Siegel and child psychologist Tina Payne Bryson wrote a wonderful book on this called The Power of Showing Up, How Parental Presence Shapes Who Our Kids Become and How Their Brains Get Wired. And when I read it, I remember thinking, oh my God, it's like someone has downloaded my brain's files on parenting philosophy and put them into a book. So if you're looking for more on this topic, this is a great place to start. Showing up, the way it's described by Dr. Siegel and Dr. Bryson, is about making sure your kids feel soothed, safe, seen, and secure. The longitudinal research on child development clearly demonstrates that one of the best predictors for how kids turn out in terms of happiness, social emotional development, leadership skills, meaningful relationships, even academic and career success, is whether they've developed security from having at least one person who's shown up for them. Across cultures and around the globe, these studies reveal universal findings about how we can parent well, if not flawlessly. I don't actually believe that we can parent flawlessly, but I think that there's something to giving ourselves permission to redefining what flawless sounds like or looks like. And I think that flawless in terms of parenting really comes into good enough parenting and being the okayest parent. There's no such thing as perfect in life and parenting is no exception. I don't know a single parent on the planet who can honestly say that they've done flawless parenting. And if I did meet that person, I would think that they were lying. Today's campfire guest is Mama Bear Michelle. Michelle is a Latinx cisgender woman, mother of three. She and her husband, who is white, live in suburbia with their youngest child. Their oldest child is off conquering the world, and their middle child died in late 2020 by suicide. So here's your content warning. We're going to talk a little bit about suicide. However, we're going to be talking much more about how Michelle chose to show up for her kids and what that has meant for them and for her entire family. 
As usual, anytime a parent or family shares their story at Camp Wildheart, it's done so with the full consent of their child. And any identifying details are changed however much the family wants them to be changed in order for them to feel safe in sharing their story. I know that your approach to parenting is very much like UBU. Mm -hmm. Um, Why is it so important to you? It's important to me because I look at these people, these children, as people. And I look at them as individuals. And that they bring to our relationship their own image of themselves. And I have my image of myself. And I want to hear their story. Yeah. And you got three kids. I have three kids. All very different. All very different, all unique, all lovable and affectionate in their own ways. Mm-hmm. And your oldest is gay. My oldest is gay. She identifies as lesbian. And Tyler was trans. Tyler is trans. And, and Gabriel, Gabriel is... To be determined. To be determined. Gabriel is Gabriel. Yeah. He's 13 and he'll figure it out when he figures it out. Yeah. So... We'll talk about Sam first, I guess, a little mm-hmm. bit, yeah. right? Like when she came out, yeah. um, I remember I was talking about her coming out story or how she came out because mm-hmm. it wasn't on purpose. No. Um, <laughs> and so tell us a little, just a little bit about her story first and then we'll go with Tyler. Okay. So Sam was uh, her junior year of high school and Sam was the goalkeeper, homecoming queen, president of all the extracurriculars that she can get into, um, friends with everyone, student body everything, GSA everything. And she had called home that she had forgotten for me, or she had forgotten to um, print out her race registration, and she wanted me to run it over to the local sports store and she gave me her password to her computer and of course I snooped (laughs) I ain't gonna lie (laughs) not something I encourage parents to do by the way but I snooped and I found an open tab for YouTube on how to come out to your parents Mm. and I called my husband and I was like Mark this is what I found and he was like okay and I was like what do we do and he's like lover (laughs) I was like well, that's not what I wanted to hear. So I call my best friend. <laughs> I was like, Laura, what are we going to do? And she's like, get over yourself. <laughs> it's not about you. It's about Sam. And I was like, damn, nobody is giving me the answer I want. What was the answer you wanted? Probably, shit, Samantha's gay. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody was giving me that answer. Right. And so I thought, I'm going to go pick her up from school. We're going to, we're going to have lunch. Mm -hmm. And I remember I tried to call her. She wouldn't return my calls. And I went and picked her up out of school. I pulled her out of school. She had her own car. And I remember she got into my car and she was like, mom, why did you pull me out of school? (laughs) I, she, she was pissed because she loved school. She didn't, she was the kid that did not want to miss school. Mm -hmm. And we got in the car and I said, First, I want to preface this with, I opened your computer, and yes, I snooped. And she was like, okay. 
And then she looked at me with her doe eyes from when she was like five or six. And I said, and I know you're gay. And she started to cry. And I started to cry. And I said, and I want you to know I love you. And these tears are not tears of, I don't want you to be gay. These tears are, I'm worried people won't see you like I see you. Mm -hmm. I don't doubt that you're going to have children, that you're going to get married, that you're going to have all the dreams you want. I just want people to see you how I see you. And I gave her a hug. We went and I met my friend for lunch, and then my husband showed up and gave her a hug, and he said, we love you, kiddo. No big deal. It's nothing. And it was like a relief for her. It wasn't, it was just like, oh, okay. And then there was no, there was nothing. It was like, Samantha's gay. So you're like... <clears throat> initial reaction of calling people and being like, I want somebody to react to this mm-hmm. was looking, not necessarily looking for somebody to be like, oh my God, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. But it was really more like, well, this is huge. Yeah, this is huge. Right? And everybody was like, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I guess then it's not huge. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, we fast forward to her senior year and she, well, her junior year, you know, that prom she had said, nobody asked me to go to prom. And so she had asked the foreign exchange student to go with her. Mm -hmm. And we went and bought a dress and we did everything. And then her senior year came and she went with a young lady and we hosted prom dinner with 15 kids at our house. And she came downstairs and I remember the young boys were like, are you sure you're gay, Sam? Because <laughs> now, now it mattered to, you know, everybody right. was like, wow. And, you know, as Samantha and I have talked about that now. Um, and she's like, you know, what's funny is that now there's so many kids in that class. Now that we're 24, she'll be 25 this year, this Friday. And she said, um, so many kids in my class ended up being gay mm-hmm. and had hidden it. She said, I've been contacted on Facebook saying, you were like the first person that came out, Sam. And I was too afraid to come out. I think she was like the only female couple that went to prom with another female. I don't think that there weren't even guys. She was at a small ag mm-hmm. town in California. Mm-hmm. She didn't care. She was her. And she had a space, a safe space to be her. Mm-hmm. And what other ways in Sam's life did you show up for her in the same ways that you showed up for her in regards to her sexuality? You know, a lot of it is me listening, listening to her or me asking because I don't have all the qu- answers. And I would tell my kids, you guys didn't come with books. You guys did not come with manuals. They honestly let me. I I remember leaving the hospital with my ex-husband thinking, laughing. They let us leave the hospital with this kid. They didn't even ask us questions. Like, do they know us? They let us leave with a person. No, we really did. I believe it because I had a similar experience where I was like, I'm glad they checked the car seat, but are they going to check anything else? Yeah. 
they let you yeah. leave with a person. A whole person. A whole person to be responsible for. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it was me realizing that I don't have the answers. How did you realize you didn't have the answers? I think so many parents are afraid in general to just even acknowledge, I don't have the answers, right? Like, it's like, Mm -hmm. there's something about American culture, I feel like, Mm -hmm. that is, you must know. Yeah, no. Mm -mm. We don't very rarely have the permission to say, I don't know. I would tell my kids daily, I don't know, but I I will help look for that answer. Let me get back to you. Or if you find it, let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. Tell me what you know and let me find out what I can find out. And then let's regroup. I mean, at 15, Samantha or 16, she had a boyfriend. And my husband and I would look at them and we would be like, it's platonic. (laughs) It wasn't like she was in love with him. It was like they had the same interests. Mm -hmm. Like they were good friends. They were good friends. They went hunting together. (laughs) They played hours of video games. And we noticed it, but we were like, okay. And she had asked at 16, she's like, you know, I think we want to have sex. Mm. And I said, okay. I said, I get that. And are you ready? You know, I know he is. (laughs) (laughs) But are you ready? And she said, yes. And I, she said, will you take me to the OBGYN? And I said, sure. So I made an appointment with the OB so we can get all her questions answered. Because mm-hmm. birth control had changed in 20 years, right? I know I had taken the pill, but what are the options for her? Her body is her body. And what is she comfortable with taking? Right. Is she comfortable? You know, she's a soccer player. Does she want to go on the pill long term? Does she want, you know the patch, the whatever, the ring, the, the ring, IUD, the IUD so because things. the IUD is now a smaller choice. Mm-hmm. There's two different types of IUD, one for a teen and one for a woman. Right. Like there's things now. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so I scheduled an appointment. We went together and I remember her name was Meg. She was the PA and Meg said, okay, mom, do you want to step out so I can talk to Sam? And Sam said, no, mama, you stay. And I was like, no, really? <laughs> I don't want to stay. <laughs> and she said, no, mama, you need to stay. We're going to talk about birth control. And I said, okay, I'm going to stay. And I stayed and listened. And Meg asked her, you know, what are you hearing from your friends? And Sam said that plan B is an option for birth control. And Meg was like, no, you bring in your friends. (laughs) You bring in your friends and, you know, this is a no-charge visit. I will hold a Q&A for your friends. (laughs) That is not an option. Right. And so Sam chose her birth control of choice and um, she and Dalton Dalton didn't have sex. Mm. But the option was there. And I told her, you know, you could... You know, you can't have sex in my house. You have to figure it out like all the other rest of us and have it <laughs> in the back to, seat of someone's car. <laughs> I still have to make it hard for you. Right. <laughs> you still have to figure that part of your life out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I've showed up there, you know, fast track to college. I was the mom that she called when her roommates, mama, so-and-so has a lump on her breast and we don't know what it is. You know, you guys can go to Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. Go to Planned Parenthood. You guys have, you know, call. You guys are at a university. Go to the health room. Mm-hmm. It's all free. But I was that mom 
you know, I know you pretty well, but how do you think you became that mom? Was it just in the listening and the like non-judgment? Like you're not like a no rules mom. No, 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 no. <laughs> There's, you know, I'm five foot. Samantha's five, five. I've chased her down the hall. Like <laughs> I have literally chased her down the hall. Um, there's structure and kids need structure and they need to hear no. Mm-hmm. And Samantha, Tyler and Gabriel all know that I'm not afraid to say no and where my boundaries are, but that it's a safe no, that my job is to keep them safe and healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, even with Samantha choosing, um, you know, being actively involved in her own decisions, being a teenager, healthy choices. Like I would never say when she would leave the house, be careful. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't want her to feel that there was something to be fearful of when she left the house. Mm-hmm. But make good choices. Make good choices for you. And then when she screwed up, accountability. Accountability. Okay. This is, you know, and this is what my husband and I always said. We give you guys enough rope, and when we need to rein you back in, that's our job. And reining you in doesn't mean punishment or grounding. We do not ground. It's a conversation. It's a critical thinking opportunity. Mm-hmm. It's how do you feel about this and what do you think? Mm-hmm. What do you think should have happened? I didn't know all your kids are critical thinkers, right? Just because I know mm-hmm. them. But um, how did you foster that in them? I think that a lot of times parents will like try and be like, I want to have these conversations, but all you get is I don't know. And if you got I don't know, what would you do? The I don't knows, and I do get I don't knows. And the I don't knows or the, you know, sometimes the shutdown and the not, the just not saying anything mm-hmm. is okay, but we just come back. Mm-hmm. I know for Gabriel, for Tyler, and Samantha, not so much for Samantha. Samantha it was just a diff- they're all different. Okay, for Gabriel, it's time in a car. Mm-hmm. Windscreen time, windshield time. Windshield time. Put him in the car. If I say, Gabriel, get your shoes on, put your hoodie on, let's go for a drive. I know he can't escape. <laughs> windshield time is great, kids, because kids love it. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the... Our, it's and our so, time. So many parents I've talked to talk about windshield time being, like, the most, the best time because, mm-hmm. like, there's no distractions, there's no devices, mm-hmm. there's no eye contact. <laughs> there's no eye contact. And I never made them say, I never said, look at me. Mm-hmm. It's okay not to look at me. And it should be okay not to look at you. Yeah. It's a I, process. And not just for that, like, some of our kids are neurodivergent. Mm-hmm. And, like, eye contact is super overwhelming. Tyler is neurodivergent. For Tyler, it was we had to be outside, whether we were in the garden or on a walk. You know, you find out where your kid is. So it sounds like you were really observant. I needed to be observant. And each kid is so different. Yeah. And... You know, Gabriel had an issue a couple of months ago, and I said to him, the way I parented Samantha, who's 12 years older than you, the way I parented Tyler, who's three years away from you, will all be different because you guys are not the same people. Mm-hmm. And I will make mistakes because it won't work for you. Mm-hmm. 
And like I'm asking you to be graceful in that. I'll figure it out. We'll figure it out together. Mm -hmm. And no matter what, I love you. Like I'm going to keep showing up. Mm -hmm. It will be consistent. I think that's the biggest thing is being consistent. Yeah, consistency is so important, right? Like it's huge in like that reliability aspect, which we know is a foundation for trust, Mm -hmm. right? Consistency, boundaries, like what's okay and what's not okay. It's not okay. And, you know, simple things like having friends over. uh, The rule was if your friends disrespect our home and the rules in our home, Mm -hmm. they get one chance. Like one chance to like fix it. One so it's not like they it. come in, they screw up, and you're like, bye. Bye. No, one chance to fix it. Yeah. Because we can't have that chaos when we have two younger kids watching. Mm-hmm. For Samantha in that case. Right. And for Tyler, who had higher needs than the other two, mm-hmm. there was some bipolar in there. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a lot of patience. Yeah. A lot of crying for both of us, but still showing up. Yeah. Always yeah. showing up and never, and knowing and letting him see me cry. Let's switch for a second. Just, I mean, we've been focusing primarily on Sam, a little mm-hmm. bit on Gabriel, but let's talk more about Tyler. Mm-hmm. Right. So I got Kleenex because I'm yeah. ready. Yeah. Uh, right. But Tyler died about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was a complicated. Or not complicated, complex. Complex. Yeah, he was a complex kid. Yeah, right? complex. Really just beautiful yeah. in the way that he lived life and also hard. Hard. He was hard, but loved hard. Like yeah. everything was hard. He's the, he, the intensity level was really high. Very. No matter what he did. Yeah. Yeah. And so... One of the reasons I'm asking you to have this conversation with me instead of anybody else mm-hmm. um, is because I think that most of the parents listening are hoping that they never end up experiencing what you've experienced, yeah. right? And that is like Tyler died by suicide. Yeah. And I know that's still kicking your ass. Hard. Uh, and <laughs> it'll probably continue to kick your ass yeah. forever. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's something that we get over ever. No. And... Tyler's trans, mm-hmm. but Tyler's suicide had nothing to do with his transness. No. Right? No. Nope. Which I think just makes it all the more scary for folks. Yeah. <laughs> um, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we look at sort of what happened with Tyler, we can say there you, you did all the right things. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, there are people that ask, do you know how he died? And they really ask. <laughs> so nosy. <laughs> how do you, how did he die? And it's like, I've come to the conclusion that I do not think that suicide is a one answer question. Mm. It's complex. Mm-hmm. There's a, you know, there was a lot of things going on in Ty's life. Mm-hmm. There was COVID. Mm-hmm. You know, I think once we're on the other side of this, we will realize the social aspects of what that did to our teeny, our teens. Devastating. Devastating numbers of suicide. Mm-hmm. Are their brain development at 15. And their I just, social skills development. Their social there. skills. I mean, I remember saying to him, Ty, you're 15. I wish I could just show you my crystal ball so you could see there's another side to this. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, um, I think the COVID lockdown was, I mean, that was devastating to him. Mm-hmm. The mental health aspect was really hard and frustrating. Um, right, he had bipolar. He had bipolar. As a kid, like, we don't diagnose bipolar, but he was, he had this diagnosis that we mm-hmm. give kids that is like kid yep. bipolar, essentially. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My analogy is, and how I worded it to my husband was, we gave Tyler the best lifeboat that privilege could buy with the best health insurance, the best providers and therapists and gender clinics and medication. But our son wasn't ready to get on that lifeboat. Man, we can't force him. And we can't force him. And I think there's also really Tyler still experienced a ton of trauma um, from the times when he wasn't living with you, Mm -hmm. right? When he's living with his dad. And there was a lot of healing that is hard to do when you're 15. Yeah. And you're going through high school and then you're at a new high school and then your high school's on lockdown or, you know, you're not in school because of that and you want to make relationships and you can't. Mm-hmm. And you miss your friends from out of state. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, everything is everything. different. Nothing is the same. You don't have any sort of like reference point. No. It's like you're in a washer machine, right? And you're being tumbled. But I remember just thinking, like, I just wish you could see there's another side. Just make it. Just make it. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't make it. That's okay. Mm-hmm. And it is okay. But I feel so... What he's what he taught me, I mean, just the amount of, uh, you know, he knew him best. I mean, we would be in doctor visits at OHSU and the doctors would say do you have any questions and I'd be like I don't even know I don't even know what questions to ask I don't even know what questions to ask because this isn't my journey Mm -hmm. my journey is to support him my journey is to say to him you know you best Mm -hmm. I don't know what it's like to be a trans male Mm-mm. I don't know what it's like to feel like I'm in the wrong body, mm-hmm. that my hair doesn't feel good on me, you know, a foot long. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that I can find you an amazing barber named Claudia. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Who knows how to do an amazing fade. <laughs> right. And you look in the mirror and you feel like you. And I have video of that still. Of him getting his hair, all of it cut off. I mean, we would, when he was, you know, before that haircut where he had all his hair cut off, um, and it was a lot. And I remember he had that haircut, that very first haircut where we had it removed, hair removed. Um, he looked in the mirror and he was just like, I feel so good. People would stop me and say, you have two handsome boys. Mm. And I'd always check in with him after, you know, they would walk by and I would look at Ty and I'd say, how does that make you feel? And he'd be like, really good. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. heck yeah. It makes mm-hmm. you feel good. It makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. You are handsome. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious because I've seen lots of kids who've gotten, who've gotten the big chop, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and I have super short hair. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that feeling of like looking in the mirror at like, at a salon and being like, oh, there you are. Mm-hmm. Right. I just wonder what it was like to witness that. Cause I know that a lot of parents uh-huh. 
when their kids and their trans boys are like, I want to cut off my hair. Yeah. Hair is such a big deal. So I had to learn that with Samantha. Uh-huh. Because Samantha was the first, right? So when Samantha was six, I remember she wanted to cut it into like a bob. And I was like, no, mm-hmm. it's so beautiful and long. And she told me, I remember she was like, mom, I want to donate it to Locks of Love. And I was <laughs> like, boo. <laughs> I was like, no, mama French braids it. Mama puts it in pigtails. No. And she was like, mama, it will grow back. I was like, damn, why? Who gave you these words? <laughs> and I was like, you're right. It will grow back. And so when Ty got that big chop, I remember Gabriel took the two pieces of hair, like, because they had to cut it in pigtails. Mm-hmm. And Ty, Gabriel was, like, dancing like they were pom-poms. That's so cute. <laughs> and Ty was, like, ah, oh, just shaking his head, just like, oh, it feels so good. I mean, Mark was there. I was there. Gabriel was there. It was had, an event. It was an event. But Tyler, before he had transitioned... Tyler had this amazing mane of hair where we would call it pageant hair. Oh, yeah. It was this amazing. Thick, luscious. Thick, luscious. We called it pageant hair. Mm -hmm. We put a lot of emphasis on that hair. Sunday nights, Mark, during bath times, Mark would deep condition it and comb it through. Mm -hmm. Like he knew Sunday nights was deep conditioning night. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it was okay. Ty... I mean, he felt good and he looked at himself and we were like, okay, well, this is the first cut. Do you like this cut? Because you let it grow out and we'll try out a different style. Mm-hmm. If that one doesn't feel like you. You just keep trying different We things. keep trying different styles until you find the style that looks like you, that mm-hmm. feels like you. I wonder, as you learned so much from parenting Sam and Tyler, mm-hmm. right, and they're persistence of Mm -hmm. being their own people Mm -hmm. what lessons did you learn from those parenting experiences about showing up for your kids and how to show up for them and how to let them be their own people Mm -hmm. that you carried forward with gabriel yeah he's like the most progressive 13 year old you've ever met (laughs) (laughs) he's like he's got life down right he's had to witness like he I mean, and Tyler and Gabriel or Tyler and Samantha would say like he's way more advanced we ever were because he's witnessed these two other people grow up in his home. But for Gabriel, you know, I think I got a call from the school that he was wearing skirts Uh and they wanted to know how to support him. And I was like, oh, I didn't know. They were like, you didn't know he's wearing skirts at, at school? And I was like, no, I'll talk to him. (laughs) This is right, this, I don't know, six months ago. Yeah, I remember. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I called Mark. I told Mark and Mark was like, oh, we can't do this now. (laughs) We're still healing from Tyler. Right. And I remember Gabriel came in. I was like, I'll talk to him. And I, Gabriel sat down. I was like, so I got a call from school. You're wearing skirts at school. And he's like, seriously, mom, it's a piece of clothing. And I was like, yeah, it's just a piece of clothing. Why am I getting (laughs) so worked up about this? Mm -hmm. It's a piece of clothing. Mm -hmm. 
why am I getting worked up about this? Because somebody else was worked up about it and made yeah. their thing, right? Like, yeah. When like, you're, you already lost one son to suicide and your other son's wearing a skirt now. <laughs> okay. And so I found the skirt in his dresser and I was like, and I looked at it and I was like, actually, this is a really cute skirt <laughs> and you could really rock it. Like, and you're wearing it with an appropriate top that matches it mm-hmm. and your vans match it. What am I complaining about? social norms and Gabriel was like I don't know what the big deal is it's it's a skirt it's a piece of clothing and I thought to myself I was like you know I wonder if people did this to Ralph Lauren or (laughs) to other designers right Mm -hmm. and it knocks down their creativity Mm -hmm. yeah think of all the things that we've stifled out of the world stifle out of the world Mm -hmm. with shame over clothing Mm -hmm. because we're so close-minded or hair or hair. Or crazy makeup or mm-hmm. piercings or whatever. Yeah. With makeup. I That's so funny because I would tell Samantha, I'd buy her crazy eyeliner and be like, experiment. You're young. Mm-hmm. Wear it. Rock it. You You're only going to be able to yeah. get away with yeah, this. Yeah, I was like, so you long. can't be 40 and wearing crazy magenta <laughs> eyeliner going to work without them thinking you lost your, mm-hmm. your mind. But, mm-hmm. you know. Right. That's what adolescence is for, right? right? It's for this time of exploration. It's for this time of identity development. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we just miss that so much. And we're trying to shove kids into these boxes and keep them there for our own comfort. Yeah. Right. And showing up for our kids means all of it. Setting our stuff aside and being like, I am here for you. You are totally different than me. Mm-hmm. But we're going to figure it out. I'm like, I'm psyched that you exist, and mm-hmm. I'm psyched for to witness this. Right. Well, and I would I would tell my kids I set my ego aside when I became your mom. Mm. I had to. Yeah, ego parenting is bad. I couldn't ego parent. I was like that child. I was that parent on the soccer field on the sideline, who when a kid got kicked or my kid got kicked, like I'd laugh. It was funny. Like it was funny. If we can't laugh at ourselves. If we can't, if we're coddling and we're, you know, if my kids can't laugh at themselves, if they can't laugh at each other and then build each other back up, right? where are they going to learn that? Yeah. I'm just sitting here thinking about like my own parenting experiences and I've got a neurodivergent kid as well. Mm-hmm. And I remember those early years of parenting when the parenting in public just felt like every single eye was judging mm-hmm. me. Um, and along the way somewhere I lost that. I don't know where I lost it from, but I am real glad because that was awful. Um, but I remember like tantrums would just be like, oh, I'm going to die because you are having a hard time. Um, I'll tell you what I did. Oh, what did you do? When that was Tyler was the big tantrum. Grand mall tantrums. Oh, Mm -hmm. or hiding in between the racks of clothes. uh And then you trying to be like. You need to come out of there. Mm-hmm. Tyler, you're making mommy. And you know what Tyler would do? Tyler would be like, Tyler was the kid who would throw himself on the ground and start saying, have mercy, <laughs> have mercy on me. And I would be like, get up, get up now <laughs> between my teeth. Mm-hmm. And so if Mark and I were together, I would walk away and I'd be like, you know what, sir? Your child is really unruly. <laughs> You should really take care of that. Oh and I would God. walk away. Oh, no. I would just leave Mark to it. But because if I couldn't laugh at it. Like, mm-hmm. To be playful with it. To be playful with it. So disarming. Yeah. Just, mm-hmm. you know what? 
And diffusing. It diffuses the whole It diffuses it. So great. Or the kids, you know, when they were throwing themselves in the backseat of the car. I remember Samantha threw her blanket over my head when I drove, was driving once in Mm -hmm. a fit. I pulled that car over so fast. I pulled her out of the backseat and I put her on the curb. Mm. And I said, clearly, we both need a timeout. (laughs) And put her on the curb. And she was like, what are you doing? And I said, we both need a timeout right now. Mm-hmm. Instead of arguing, yeah, we both need fresh air. We're yeah. gonna sit right here, mm-hmm. and we need a timeout. I need one, and you need one. Mom timeouts are the best. Yeah, I used to take them all the time. Yeah, I mean, realizing that I lose my crap too, and letting them know this is hard for me. And that's how you teach emotion regulation, right? Like you teach emotion regulation through modeling. Right. Mm-hmm. You can't be like, okay, so when you're angry, no. this is what you do. You have One, to be like, no, two. I am angry and I have to regulate that and I have to do it in front of you so mm-hmm. that you can see how to do it as well. Mm-hmm. And I think with Gabriel seeing that, Samantha too, Ty- no, Tyler had it too. They are so empathetic, such empathetic people. Mm-hmm. They see me having my, Tyler, Samantha and Gabriel now, Gabriel because he's home. Samantha doesn't live at home anymore, but Gabriel can see me when I'm down and be like, I'm sorry, mom, it's a hard day for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is a hard day for me. Thank you for noticing. Yeah. It looks like you need a hug. My son will sometimes say like, I can tell this is not what you were hoping to, or you were expecting to walk into. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, you are correct. You are correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or he'll say things like, I don't know what that means, but I want you to know I'm happy for you. Mm. I support you. So we can raise these like beautiful humans, right? And I think that one of the things that I think is really important that I'm thinking about when I'm thinking about what do I want listeners to hear is when we are reacting Mm -hmm. and our bodies are responding to our children's behaviors or expressions, what is the narrative that's playing out in our heads there, right? Like who's, who are we responding for? Because I can tell you that there are many times that in my, especially in my early parenting, where I would be responding for the woman in the grocery store who was looking at me mm-hmm. or for all of the things I thought I should be doing, right? Yeah. Like I would shame myself around like my kid climbing on things. And I'm like, it's developmentally appropriate for him to climb. That's what they do. Yeah. Right. But yeah. the more we can allow our kids to be, to just be, just be right. Like, and to help create a world or an environment for them where they can be safely safe and healthy. Yeah. That's our job. Yeah. Safe and healthy boundaries. You know, when we say no to kids, it's like so often parents are like, no quickly. And I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, But also, right, when we say no to kids, it's a relationship damager a lot of times, especially if we don't have a good reason. And so when kids are expressing themselves or, like, playing with gender, I think it's important for us parents for us to really understand what's our why on that. What is that? Is it our – we're afraid of that? That we're afraid that it may fit? And what if it does? But also, what if it does and I don't allow it? What, what does that mean for them? That's right. another flip to that coin. Right. And I don't allow it. I mean, and 
you know, I have those kids that come that I've been around that were Tyler's friends that didn't allow it, that didn't allow it. And I wanted them to know that my home is a safe space. We can talk about it. You can come over. You can cry. It's okay. And they did. And they did. Because I know that Tyler would come and haunt me (laughs) if I did not allow (laughs) such a safe space for his friends. Yeah. He knew. Samantha knows. Gabriel knows. These kids are going to come in and out of our lives. They're people. They're people that are going to grow up and that are going to, you know, do amazing things in this world. Mm -hmm. And all we have to do is support each other. There's some altruism in there, right? Yeah. 100%. And people just, you know, if we can just look at them and be, you know, be that support in their lives, it doesn't take much. Mm Mm-hmm. All you have to do is put, you know, that ego is so damaging sometimes to the other person on the other side of that. And if you don't understand it, it's okay not to understand. You can say, I don't understand this. Mm -hmm. There's many times I said, I don't understand. And Tyler would tell me, or Samantha, I mean, Samantha now, I I still have questions. Mm Mm-hmm. She explains lesbian terminology to me all the time, Mm -hmm. (laughs) all the time. Yeah, Um, it's evolving. It is evolving. And, you know, me being her mom, even at 25, it's evolved. But she still, she even said, you know, Mama, I'm glad that we still talk about everything. Mm. Because I would rather her have good information than mm-hmm. internet information. <laughs> oh, Lord. TikTok information. YouTube the TikTok information. information. Mm-hmm. Gabriel comes to me with TikTok information. I'm like, oh, no, no. Mm-hmm. Let's look up that information. I'm like, where did you learn that? Yeah. TikTok? Yeah. Show it to me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Gabriel and I have Googled contraception, like the history of contraception. There was a point in time where I think not very long ago, there was a TikTok that was going around super viral video of like inside your pregnancy test is a plan B pill oh. and they would crack it open and there would be this like tablet in there, but it was like not for that. Oh, and they were taking it? And like they were eating it and the, like the plan B companies had to be like, don't eat that. And yeah. the pregnancy test companies were like, there is not a plan <laughs> B pill inside the pregnancy test. That is not a thing. Yeah. Yeah, but like so many girls Random. I knew were like, yeah, that's totally a thing. I'm like, no, it's not no, a thing. It's not a thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because if you're not giving them information, TikTok is. TikTok is definitely giving them information. And being present in their in their world is harder than turning your turning a blind eye. Mm-hmm. And to me it was so important that I was in their world. Even if it was like, show me. Mm-hmm. I want to see what that is. Yeah. I want to download TikTok. And they were like, no, mom. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes, I'm going to download the TikTok. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do the TikToks. I'm going to do the TikToks. Mm-hmm. I'm going to name it Stickly Family. Yeah. And they were like, no. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> They'll know it's your mother. Don't do it. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. Well, Michelle, is there any final, like, pearls of wisdom? Like, if you were to, like, Whoever's listening to this walks away with one thing that they heard from you about showing up for your kid. What do you want to make sure they walk away with? Hug them. 
Even when they think you feel like they're pulling away, you hug them. They want that hug. Mm -hmm. They really do. It's a lonely time right now for everybody. Mm -hmm. You hug them, and not because I just lost my son, but we are a social being. We are social beings. Mm -hmm. We crave connection. And our children want to be understood. Yeah. And even when you don't understand, just say, I will help you find that answer. That's great. Well, thanks for coming on and for talking about your amazing kids and how you parent. Thank you. I hope the hearing from Michelle gives you the courage to continue or maybe even tweak the way that you've been showing up for your own child. This is an important topic and we'll continue to visit in future episodes. Imperfect parenting, giving ourselves permission to practice it and grow in it. It's huge. And being part of Camp Wildheart is a great place to start this for your family. Camp Wildheart and our community of listeners are here to support you through this journey. So if there's anything we can do to support you in supporting your child, please let us know. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram as Wildheart Society, or you can send us an email at camp at wildheartsociety.org. We also have a private Facebook group for parents to connect with each other and ask questions. It's called the Camp Wildheart Community. Just type it into the search fill out the questions, click join. Thanks again to Michelle for sharing her experiences of highs and lows and how she has mothered and continues to grow in her motherhood. We're all just doing the best we can. Am I right? Thanks again for joining us for camp. Be sure to subscribe for free to the podcast so you don't miss future campfires and give us a rating. Rating the podcast helps people find us and we want to make sure that anyone who needs one knows there's a bunk for them at Camp Wildheart. Heart.